Hello, and welcome to the Revive Church podcast with Pastor Todd Mozingo. I'm your host, Paul Garner. Thank you for listening today. The gift of tongues has been very controversial over the centuries among Christians. Some of that has been due to tradition and the way that we have always done this. For others, it is a matter of fear or discomfort or lack of experience. Today, Pastor Todd is going to walk us through the Word of God only, not tradition or experience. He explains from Scripture the foundation of this gift, one of many that follow those who believe. Pastor Todd answers these questions and more. Are tongues a known language? Are tongues ecstatic gibberish or a spiritual language? Where do tongues come from? Are tongues used as a prayer language? Why did God give us this ability? Can every believer speak in tongues? Let's listen as Pastor Todd explains. If you are not sure that tongues and other spiritual gifts are for today, check out Pastor Todd's previous message on that. Be sure to listen to the end for some important information. So last week we talked about the gifts and whether or not there was substantial biblical evidence that the gifts are still operating today in the church. And for me, that's an emphatic yes. Uh, and, and yes, because there is no scripture anywhere in all 66 books that would say those gifts are going to come to an end before Jesus returns. But there is emphatic scripture in those 66 books that says those who believe will operate in these gifts. Uh, and so we see that the gifts are still for today. Uh, but that puts us in a place of us talking about what are those gifts and how do they actually operate? So I got to start with a little disclaimer today, Uh, several disclaimers, actually. First of all, we going deep. We're going deep. I'm not going to teach you the traditional stuff that's been taught about tongues. We're going to go into scripture and we're going to figure out what are the purpose of tongues in the church today. And I just want to say this. If you're a traditional fundamentalist, that's covert for Baptist. You might be a little offended today, but if you are a lifelong charismatic or Pentecostal, you might be offended today, okay? Because we're just going to go biblical. That word and spirit, we try to stick to that, which says, traditionally, I don't care what the church has done, we're going to ask the spirit to give us revelation out of the word, and that's what we're going to do. Are you with us? All right. I'll also tell you in advance, I ain't covering it all today. We're going to be back here next week, so please come back next week, because I thought I'd put this in one lesson until I started studying and realized there's no way I can do this in a week. So we're going to be doing it next week at least also, but uh, let's, let's talk about some of the things that we're going to answer about the gift of tongues in Scripture. Are tongues a known language? Are tongues an ecstatic gibberish or a spiritual language? Where is this language coming from? Are tongues used as a prayer language? When and how do tongues and interpretation work? Uh, Why did God give us this ability in tongues? Uh, And can every believer speak in tongues? And if you were with us last week, can women do it? Uh, You'd have to understand from last week, but if you're here last week, we'll just go on. So we're going to dig in and find the answers to some of these questions, and it might just 
blow your mind what we're going to learn because I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, I've studied this many times before, but what he revealed to me this week uh, came so crystal clear that I'm excited about talking to you about it. I need to open your minds to understanding a little more. I'm asking you to right now, matter of fact, let's just do that together. Holy Spirit, right now in this moment, we're asking for scriptural revelation. We want to do this right And the scripture says that you will guide us into all truth. So we will not sway from you or the word of God, and we'll let you give us the revelation of the word of God so that we can walk in and understand this. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to commit to you today that I may talk about experiences I've had or seen, but I'm going to teach straight out of the scripture. I'm just going to use the Bible. So everything I base what I'm teaching you on, you should be able to go home and read in your Bible. And what we're going to do today is we're going to read the Bible slowly. It was literally the best advice I've ever been given in my life about studying the Bible. Dan Kemp from Sherman, Texas, told me one time, hey, what you need to do is learn to read the Bible slower. Every word in there for a reason. So let's jump in. 1 Corinthians 12.10 is where I'm going to start. There's an entire list of gifts, but that's not my first point. My first point, it says in 12.10, and to another the effecting of miracles. We're in the middle of a list of the gifts. And to another prophecy. And to another the distinguishing of spirits. Now watch the words. To another various kinds of tongues. And to another the interpretation of tongues. Let's jump to uh, 28, verse 28. 1 Corinthians 12.28. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helps administration. Watch, various kinds of tongues. So what does that various kinds of tongues mean in Scripture? The Greek word is genos, genos, and it means the aggregate of many individuals of the same nature. Man, that sounds like a Webster thing, doesn't it? The, what, what did I just say? a bunch of similar things that are different. It's like me saying Mexican food. We know that means tacos. We know it means burritos. We know it means nachos. We know it means empanadas. Each different, but all Mexican food. In other words, the category is tongues, but there are different types of tongues, different kinds of tongues. I want you to hold this thought because it's not talking about different languages. It's talking about different kinds of tongues, various kinds of tongues, not various kinds of languages. That's not what he's saying. He's saying there's a gift of tongues and there are various kinds of gifts of tongues in that tongues gift. So I want to confirm that and show you what I mean because you just got to stay with me. And if you need my notes, I'll send them to you. First Corinthians 14, 10, 13. There are perhaps a great many kinds of languages, everybody say languages, in the world, and no kind is without a meaning. No kind of language is without a meaning. If then I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be to one who speaks a barbarian. 
talk last week, that word barbarian is more easily translated for you and I, foreigner. He's talking about someone who speaks a different language. And the one who speaks will be a foreigner or barbarian to me. So also you, since you're zealous of spiritual gifts, seek to abound in the edification of the church. Watch. Therefore, let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. Now, did you just notice that in the same explanation, he used both the word language and the word tongue? We need interpretation of languages so that we're not speaking to one another as a foreigner. And then he comes up and says, by the way, with tongues, you're going to need interpretation of tongues. That to me was a trigger. Okay, I'm thinking you're talking about a bunch of different languages, but you're talking about a different kinds of tongues, various kinds of tongues. What does that mean? If you go to Acts chapter 2, Scripture we read again, uh, this will confirm what we just read. Acts 2, 4 through 6. We're talking about the day of Pentecost. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. And there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and they were bewildered. Watch, because each of them was hearing in his own language. Not each of them was hearing in his own tongues. Uh, okay, so they began to speak with tongues, but everybody's hearing in their language. Why is he using both words? He used both language and tongues, speaking in tongues, but hearing in their language. And I think it's intentional because it did not say that the apostles began to speak with other languages so people were hearing in their language, or they began to speak with tongues, so people were hearing in their tongues. He used different words. Consider that thought that the two words are being used, both tongues and language. So different languages and the spiritual gift of tongues are not necessarily the same thing. If I take a big breath, bear with me because I'm going to explain all this. I'm just laying groundwork right now. My point is, and this will be my point for at least the next two weeks, I think as a church, as the church of Christ, we need a broader understanding of tongues. We need a broader understanding. The traditional, charismatic, Pentecostal view of tongues in the church is somebody's going to speak a spiritual language, somebody's going to interpret that language, boom, there's tongues. And by the way, that example can be absolutely true. You'll see as we go through, that's exactly what can happen. But the question is, is that speaking a spiritual language and the interpretation of it the summation of the gift of tongues? Is that all gift of tongues is? Is there anything else involved in the gift of tongues except for that? Because he said there's various kinds of tongues. So to start, I'm going to review very frequently explained scriptures and, and to do that, you have to start from a foundation of 1 Thessalonians 5.23. You have a body, you have a soul, and you have a spirit. Every, every one of us. That spirit was turned over to the enemy in sin, and it was brought back to life and indwelled by the Holy Spirit when you became a believer. So now you're operating with your body. I'm walking, I'm talking, you're seeing me. 
You are operating with your soul. That's what makes you, you, and me, me. It's the way you think. It's your mind. It's your will. It's your emotions. That's all of that thought process area. And then you have a spirit where the Holy Spirit dwells. God is spirit. He must indwell spirit. He brings our spirit to life that was dead in sin but you have been made alive in Christ and the Holy Spirit comes to dwell there. And we're going to begin talking about something that's going on in the spirit, not in the soul. Paul makes it very clear next week. You'll see sometimes I don't know what the spirit is saying, but there's a language going on in the spirit called tongues. And because we're going to be talking about something you're doing in your spirit, we got to sometimes stop thinking about how do I think about it and how is it using my mouth. Uh, When you and I talk in English, this is what we do. In our soul, we decide what we're going to say, and our mouth and our body follows that. But in tongues, you're going to see that it's the spirit that's telling the body what to say. That's a different arena that we got to get comfortable with. And so this is such a major obstacle for many when it comes to tongues because you're trying to use your mind to figure out how to do something that you're doing in your spirit. You're trying to use your soul, your thought process. This has to somehow make sense to me. What am I doing? Where is that coming from? And you can't because it's not happening in your soul. It's happening in your spirit. So you see no reason to speak another language that needs to be interpreted because in your soul you say, well, I can just say it in English, right? No, because it's coming from the spirit and that's not in the language of your soul. Mm. And I believe God has very, very distinct reasons for you speaking in tongues and we're going to explore those things. Then before we get into it, tongues specifically, my last foundational statement or disclaimer, I have always taught 1 Corinthians 12, 7. If you do not understand 1 Corinthians 12, 7, everything will get messed up. It will be skewed. It will be different. It will not be what it's supposed to be. It takes us down crazy charismatic paths, and it forces us to put up walls in our fundamental traditional views. And that is that to each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Everybody say, for the common good. It ain't for you. It ain't for what you want to do. It ain't for some reassurance that you know how to do something spiritual. The gifts are given for the church body. They're supposed to strengthen us. They're outward tools, not inward glorifications. Oh, supposed to benefit the church. Are you ready? Because I'm going to take you to a place that some of you have never been and some of you have heard about and were suspicious about, but I'm just going to dissect Scripture out of Acts 2. We're not even going to Corinthians today. We're staying in Acts 2. Acts chapter 2 is the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost. Starting in verse 1, and when the day of Pentecost had come, they were gathered together in one place when suddenly there came from heaven a noise, everybody say noise, like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together. What sound? The noise of the rushing wind. When that sound occurred, the crowd came together, and they were bewildered. 
because each of them was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we're hearing them in our own language to which we were born? Now, here comes the test. Can he say them all? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phyra, the Pamphylia, Egypt, uh, the districts of Libya around Cyrene, uh, the visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselyte, Cretans and Arabs. We are hearing them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God, and they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking, saying, ah, they're just drunk. They're full of sweet wine. So much to unpack in what just happened. But I want you to please note again, they spoke in tongues. The people said, we hear it in our own language. And did you notice also there was a tongue that landed on the head of the disciples when the mighty rushing wind came in? Isn't it interesting because we just jumped into potentially another definition of tongues, a fire on their head, or was what came on their head a language or a gift of tongues? I don't know. I'm just saying that to confuse you. So <laughs> let's go through this and unpack it. When the day of Pentecost had come and they were together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they're sitting and appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing on themselves and they rested on each one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. What was that? Biblically, what is that? Doctrinally, what is that? What just happened to them when they were in this upper room and a mighty rushing wind came on and something just distributed itself on them? What is that? That's a baptism in the Spirit. Baptism in the Spirit. If you're new here, let me explain to you what a baptism in the Spirit is. If you're not new, please take notes so you can explain this to somebody else. Acts 1. Acts 1. It's talking about Jesus. To these he, Jesus, also presented himself alive after his suffering. What is his suffering? The crucifixion. Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was crucified. By many convincing proofs and appearing to them over a period of 40 days. Everybody say 40 days. And speaking the things concerning the kingdom of God. On the first day he was resurrected, he appeared to the disciples, stayed with them 40 days, and spoke to them things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Forty days after his resurrection, he's about to ascend, and he meets with them and says, you're going to be baptized not many days from now with the Spirit. So when they came together, they're asking, Lord, is it time? Are you restoring the kingdom of Israel? He says, it's not for you to know the epochs of the times, which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will, future tense, receive power when, future tense, the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even the remotest parts of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up, while they were looking on into a cloud, and he received them out of their sight. What just happened? I want you to think chronologically. 
I'm about to walk you through calendar dates. Jesus is crucified. He is resurrected on the first day of the week. Go to John chapter 20. Read the chapter. He appears to the disciples, and the scripture is clear somewhere around 19 verse 20. It says, it was the same day, the first day of the week. He breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So the apostles and disciples in that room on the very first day of his resurrection have received the Holy Spirit. Then it says he stayed with them 40 days teaching the kingdom. We know at 40 days he's going to ascend. So he gathers them together and he says, stay in Jerusalem because not many days from now, you will be baptized when power comes upon you from the Spirit, just as John told you I would do. Are you chronologically getting this? The first day they received the Holy Spirit. They're in training for 40 days. He is about to ascend, and he says, I need you to stay in town because the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you with power not many days from now. Turned out to be 10 days later at the day of Pentecost. And, and that was, he said, Jesus said, that will be the baptism in the Spirit that John told you I would do. There is a baptism in the Spirit clearly identified in Scripture. That's the baptism of the Spirit that Jesus told them about. So what was one of the results of that baptism in the Spirit. They spoke in tongues. Power came upon them, and they spoke in tongues. So here's what we got to do. If a baptism in the Spirit, one of the results of that is that you will speak in tongues, we got to go figure out what tongues is. And we got to put down our traditional mindset that it doesn't exist if you're a fundamentalist. It does. And if you're a charismatic and Pentecostal, I'm going to challenge you on what it actually is and how it actually works. You ready? All right. Verse 5. We're just going through Acts 2, verse 5. All those things. This is the stuff that drives me crazy and excites me about studying the Bible. It's all right there. You've read it a hundred times, and you read right over it just like I read right over it. But when you decide to read slow, all of a sudden, pieces of the puzzle start just showing up. Verse 5, now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. So this is what we know. There were people from every nation on the earth in Jerusalem. Now, I don't know if you remember the Tower of Babel. Uh, they they uh, decided they wanted to build a monument to themselves and make a name for them, and God said, no, nah, we're not going to do that. I'm going to not only confuse your language, but I'm going to spread you all over the earth. I, I could talk about that for a few minutes, but we got too much to cover. Now, languages are all over the earth, every nation, different languages, but they're gathered. Uh, and then it says in verse 6, and when the sound occurred, that noise of the rushing wind, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each of them, here we go, was hearing them speak in his own language. I want you to think about the wording. They heard it in their own language. I don't want you to miss this because you'll need it later too. Did you notice it said there are men living in Jerusalem from every nation 
under the earth. And those men living in Jerusalem from every nation were hearing in their own language. So to clarify, everyone living in Jerusalem does not speak the same language. Many did come for Pentecost, but don't miss this. This word living that used here is not had a hotel room for the celebration, was not passing through because it's Pentecost. Every single time this word living is used in the New Testament, it means have a dwelling place there, living there. So that's going to mean something in a minute for what most of us have been taught. But it says there were people from every nation on the earth who lived in Jerusalem. Hang on. Verse 7. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? So they called the apostles and the disciples Galileans. Why would that be important? We're in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a big metropolis type of city. It's a big marketplace. The temple is there. It's a significant city. When you go north to the Sea of Galilee, there are small suburb towns, Caesarea, Megdala, uh, those cities, uh, Tiberias, they're all around the Sea of Galilee. They're small, what you and I would call suburban towns. And they're saying, okay, I can understand in Jerusalem if somebody spoke more than one language because there's people in Jerusalem who speak different languages, but these people are from the suburbs. When did they run into people with other languages? Lost my place in my notes. Okay, so they call them Galileans, and they're from the suburbs. But if you saw it again, the people living in Jerusalem said, we heard them in our own language. Then it goes on to verse 9. Parthians, Medes, we'll go through all that list again. Many languages here. Now, I I did a study uh, because a lot of people will tell you there are 15 languages here. That's not true. And the reason that's not true is because when you actually analyze the list of people who are in Jerusalem, you have cities and you have countries, and you have areas and territories, okay? So we can talk about cities like Rome, but then you talk about Mesopotamia and Asia where there are many languages. So you can't count this and say there's 15, so there must have been 15 languages. He's talking about Mesopotamia and greater Asia. These are massive areas with many different languages. So one thing we know for sure, when they used tongues on the day of Pentecost, there were people from other countries that could hear in their own language. And finally, what were the people hearing in their own language? Oh, I'm about to bust your Baptist bubble. What were they hearing in their own language? It says, we hear them speaking of the mighty deeds of God. The people who were speaking in tongue and there were people understanding in their own language, what were the people in their own language hearing? They were hearing the mighty deeds of God. Why is that important? Because many people will tell you and have taught me that tongues is for the purpose of sharing the gospel in other languages. 
that you are spiritually given a gift to be able to start speaking in another language so you can share the gospel. Guess what? That's not what they were doing. They were not sharing the gospel. Uh, They were talking about the mighty needs of God, mighty deeds of God. It didn't say the men could hear them in their own language talking about the crucifixion of the Messiah talking about the kingdom come, talking about the Messiah. No, they were talking about the mighty deeds of God. They're just praising God and talking about how great God is. They're not sharing the gospel. Let's finish the story. Verse 12, promise this will come together. Stay with me. And they continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking, saying they're full of sweet wine. Two things to note there. The people did not understand what it meant that they could hear in their own language. But they knew that the disciples were speaking of the mighty deeds of God. Please don't miss that. They did hear speaking of the mighty deeds of God, not the crucifixion of a Messiah. The confusion was over, how are we hearing this in our own language? The confusion was not over, did they say that that Jesus was the Messiah and he got crucified? We need to repent. That's not what they're talking about. They're saying God is amazing. God of all creation is great. God created the heavens and the earth and Adam and Eve in a garden. And they're talking about the mighty needs of God. Number two, the disciples were speaking of the mighty deeds of God in a way that made them seem like they were drunk. Now, to me, this is a bit of a confirmation that they're not sharing the gospel. I'm rather grateful that they're not sharing the gospel in a way that they seem drunk. I think that might be a little hindrance to the message. Ah, Jesus, guys, on the cross, blood all over the place, dead. Boom, back to life. I don't want to hear the gospel created in a drunken way. I don't think that's what they were doing. Sorry, I'll get back to digging. So for years, for years, I'm taught that they're speaking the languages so that people could share the gospel and get saved because it was in their language, but it doesn't say that. It says they're talking about the mighty deeds of God. Now, if you're ready, I'm going to go ahead and try to open you up to what this scripture is saying in verse 14. Because I think my next point kind of bent my mind for a while until I got my head around it. But Peter, taking his stand, watch, with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to uh, to them, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and give heed to my word. Read the Bible slower. How many times have you heard that the disciples got up and in everybody's language, they presented the gospel? Read slower. But Peter, taking his stand with the 11. So 12 people are standing up there. But watch. Raised his voice and declared to them. Standing with 11, but Peter raised his voice. One man is talking. All 12 are there, but only one is speaking. Do you notice it did not say Peter taking his stand with the 11, and then they raised up their voices and declared? That's not what it says. It says, Peter. Who is he talking to? Watch this. Peter says, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem. 
But before you make the assumption that he is speaking only to the Jews in maybe an Arabic language, it says Jews from Judea and Jerusalem. Who are the Jews from Judea and Jerusalem? you got to go back and look at that. By the way, Jerusalem is in Judea, so don't let that get you confused. It says at the beginning, now there were living in Jerusalem devout men from every nation under heaven. Who is Peter talking to? Men from every nation under heaven. He's not talking to the Arabic-speaking Jews. He's talking to every nation. One man is going to talk to men from every nation under heaven. How? Tongues. 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 And they are hearing in their own language. Here in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost, one man explains the gospel, but every one of them is hearing in their own language. What? I thought they were speaking in other tongues. Oh. If you don't like to go deep, uh, look at something on your phone on Facebook for a minute. Three options I'm seeing. They are speaking in the language of the people, and the people are hearing in their language. But that's not what the Scripture says. They are speaking in their own language, and everybody is hearing in their own language. I'm speaking to you in English, but the, Jew, uh, the, uh, uh, the French and the German in the room know exactly what I'm saying, and I can give you examples of that later. Or finally, they're speaking in a language that everyone is understanding in their own language. They're speaking in tongues, therefore, everyone is understanding in their own language. Now, it appears that as these men spoke in tongues, everyone heard in their own language. That is exactly what the Scripture says. It does not say each man who spoke with a tongue spoke with a different language. We make that assumption because it says there are people from every nation and the disciples spoke in tongues. But could it be that one of the definitions of tongues is speaking in your own language, but people from other languages are understanding what you're saying? I know of two examples. Massey gave me one. The other I know personally. A friend of mine who's a pastor preaching at a revival uh, always, this particular pastor always, every service presents a gospel presentation and always calls people forward to the altar who have received it. Just his MO. He presents the gospel. He asks anyone who has accepted the gospel tonight of Jesus Christ, I want you to come down front. He says, there's a lady walking down front. She looks to be in her 40s, but there's an older lady behind her in her 60s. You can tell she's bringing her to the front. And he looks at the younger woman, and he says, what happened to that tonight? And he, she said, my mother got saved. She's accepted the gospel that you presented. So he looks at the mother and says, tell me what happened. And the daughter says, she doesn't speak English. She only speaks German. And he looks at the daughter and said, then how did she know the gospel presentation? She said, I don't know, but she just told me in German, and I understand German. She heard every word you said in German. Massey, I think, knows someone who had that same kind of presentation. 
presented, and the people were hearing in a language that wasn't being spoken. So my point is maybe we need to be more open to understanding that tongues is not just one set of things. It's not just a spiritual language interpreted by someone who has the gift of interpretation, but maybe what the Holy Spirit gave to the church was the gift of tongues, and that is many ways to deal with the arena of language, including spiritual, in the church. Next week, I'm going to rock that theme. You're going to be like, you know, that's true. If that happened, that's true. You know what? It's got to be something different. Well, it can't be the same there because... All of a sudden, there's all these exceptions and different ways that tongues are being used in Corinthians, and we're going to go over that. But I'm going to give you maybe my last uh, real reason why I believe we're misunderstanding the magnitude of tongues and how it's used. I have taught before. You can go back to our YouTube page, and you can find the message I did on the Tower of Babel, talking about how the Tower of Babel, in Babel, they all understood one language, so God confused the language and spread them all over the earth. And at Pentecost, they came from every nation all over the earth, and they spoke many languages, but they heard one language again. The difference between Babel and Pentecost, Babel, he divided many languages from one language. Pentecost, he brought together in one tongue from many languages. Spoke one language, many languages heard and understand. So we've got to take a broader view of what tongues is in the church. I'm excited about next work, but I want you to hang on because I know this is going to bust some bubbles and mess with arguments you've heard all of your life, but we're just going to stick with Scripture and say, what is this teaching us? There's so much to cover when it comes to tongues, and I want you to hear this. This is my point for today in my first sermon on tongues. There are various kinds of tongues. Twice, Scripture blatantly tells us there are various kinds, and we transfer that to many languages, but that's not the words being used. The words is there's many kinds of tongues. So we're going to explore the many kinds of tongues and how they're used in the church, but you must be here next week. You must, because if you're not, you're going to go out of here and you're going to say, you know what that preacher taught us today? That preacher taught us today that tongues is actually you speaking in your language and other people understanding it. And although that's true, that's not the summation of tongues because there are many other various kinds of tongues that we're going to explore. You good with that? Everybody okay? You feel like you, you, you can absorb that and we can go further? Okay, because next week we're going to go further. Stand to your feet, please. I'm going to ask my altar ministers to come forward. And this is what I want to say to you today because I think this is critical in our walk I don't know about you, but if you can look at me for just a second, this is what I would say to you. I've been taught by many people, many people who had their own wounds, many people who had their own bad teaching that they heard, many people who were just relating what they heard, many people who never really dug into the Word to find out what it actually says. And this is what we want to do. We want the Holy Spirit to give us revelation of what the scripture says because it's the only way the Bible says that we get led into truth is by the Holy Spirit so I can listen to anybody's dissection I can listen to thoughts or you can even listen to me but if you don't go back and read it for yourself and let the Holy Spirit give you that revelation 
then like me, for years, you will be walking with the wrong doctrine and the wrong theology because we haven't stopped to let the Holy Spirit actually explain it. My only commitment to you as a pastor, I'm enthralled by the Word of God. I'm amazed by how deep it is, and I love reading it slower. Because in that slower, you begin to see word choices, you begin to see thoughts, you begin to see connections and ties, and it all comes together. So I want to encourage you to read your Bible slower, but never open your Bible. Never, everybody say never. Never open your Bible when you don't say first, Holy Spirit, show me something I didn't know. And you will be amazed at what he will teach you. So today, I'm looking to open up revelation. I'm looking to open up your spiritual eyes and ears and your spiritual understanding to be able to get out of your soul, get out of your knowledge. Many people don't work in gifts because they're so stuck in trying to figure them out. And you need to walk by faith and move in the spirit instead of in the flesh. The flesh is the body and the soul, and, and the spiritual gifts happen in the spiritual realm. So you've got to be able to get out of your soul and get into your spirit to understand them. So I'm asking you today, if you believe I need this spiritual revelation. I need to see things I haven't seen. I need the Holy Spirit to teach me scripture so I can grab and understand and go and operate in the spirit. Then I'm asking you to come and let someone pray for you. Uh, maybe you've got a physical problem. Maybe you've got a depression, anxiety issue. Maybe you've got a relative problem. Maybe you've got a financial problem. You are absolutely welcome to having someone come and pray for you. But today our main focus is going to be revelation of the scripture through the Holy Spirit. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just declare we want truth and scripture clearly says of you Holy Spirit that you are the spirit of truth therefore you will guide us into all truth that's what we want we want to do this well we want to do it well not doing it just like everybody else told us it was done but getting into the word getting the revelation and doing it in truth we need truth, and in this church, we're asking for truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what did you think? Has God been speaking to you about any of these things? We would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at reviveusnow.com. What if, in our attempt to get something from Scripture, we are missing the point of that Scripture? What if in our desire to do better and walk our Christianity more closely in line with Scripture, we are missing what the Scripture is about? Pastor Todd's latest book, Flip the Script, takes a fresh look at what the scriptures are meant to teach us about the kingdom of God so that application comes from spiritual understanding instead of behavior modifications. This new book is available now on Amazon, Flip the Script. This podcast is brought to you by Revive Church of Stewart, Florida. You can learn more about us at our website, reviveusnow.com. If you would like to support this ministry, Go to our website, reviveusnow.com slash give. If you live in our area or are planning a visit to our area, we would love to have you join us. We are located at 8851 Southwest Old Kansas Avenue, Stewart, Florida. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not click to subscribe right here on the podcast site of your choice. That way you won't miss any of Pastor Todd's and Revive Church's future podcasts. Thank you for joining us.